brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Hi, I'm Michael Cerverus. I played September the Observer on Fringe, and you're listening to Observing the Pattern. We made this. The idea of ending their existence consumes me. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Observing the Pattern, a fringe podcast on the We Made This podcast network. I'm your host, Luke Winch, and this is our continuing coverage of season three of Fringe. Uh, today, we're going to discuss episode 13 called Immortality, which is uh, a return back to over there to catch up what's been happening since the two Olivias were returned back to their respective universes. Joining me today to tackle this episode is returning guest Andrew Brooker. How is it going, mate? It's going well, mate. How about you? Not bad, not bad. I am uh, hydrate, rehydrated and uh, ready to go for uh, round two with you. Good, good. So we've, we've, we've kind of dealt with the fallout of the two Olivia's exchange in the Prime Universe for the last few episodes and how it's affected Peter and Olivia's relationship, which is pretty heavily. Um and now we get our first kind of entry back into the alternate universe to kind of deal with the fallout of the death of, of alternate broils and, and how that shifted the dynamic in the fringe team. Uh, we get the return of Frank, who is Fair Olivia's boyfriend. So what's your kind of overall thoughts on this episode then and kind of going back to the alternate universe and, and what would you give it out of 10? So you'll be able to cast your mind back as people listen to this, it would have been 13 weeks ago, but as we talk, it was 13 minutes ago. <laughs> and I said, there was a couple of episodes I'm not really that enamoured by in season three of Fringe. This is one of them. Ah, okay. I really do not care for this episode. That's interesting. It, it is, at best, a solid five out of ten. Okay, and I'm sure we'll get into the reasons as we go as we go into our deep dive. But why are you giving it a five out of ten? I have to say this 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 is one of those episodes which I do like, but there are elements in it that I don't. So uh, yeah, I think we'll have some interesting convos as we as we go through this. Um, I would say at the outset, I think Frank is an absolute dullish dishwater character. I don't think he actually serves. In the end, he doesn't actually serve any purpose by being a character in this world oh, because in the no. end he doesn't actually affect anything really 
No, he is the most pointless character. And literally the only reason he turns up in this episode is because Bugs. Yeah, Bugs. And also to kind of have this tension for Olivia that she's been made pregnant by someone else other than him. But apart from that, there is absolutely no function for the character of Frank, really. But yeah, we'll we'll get into that. So let's shall we shall we just go straight in for the deep dive in this one? Yeah, man, bring it on. So, Immortality, the thirteenth episode of season three, originally aired February eleventh, two thousand eleven. We are we are slowly reaching through the years now. Uh, written by David Wilcox and Ethan Gross, and uh, directed by Brad Anderson, who is who is an another seasoned fringe director. So the cold open starts at the Empire docking station, uh, which I think is quite cool, actually. And, you know, another difference between our universes is that the Empire State Building is actually the docking station for the blimps, which I quite like. It's interesting because I think it's the first time we've actually had a docking station for the blimps. I don't suppose at this point anybody had actually asked themselves, would you get onto one of them things? But yeah. So they took it upon themselves to answer it, and the answer is at the Empire State Building, <laughs> <laughs> which kind of makes sense. It's tall, you know. It's a, it's a, it works well for for oh, the absolutely. The and it's one of those times when they've 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 messed with the universe and done actually a really good job in twisting it up a little bit. And I I really liked it, but I remember watching it for the first time and going, at no point did I wonder where those things docked landed i don't even at that point i didn't even know what they did did they land did they dock did they just hover somewhere for someone to weird a set of steps up to i had no (laughs) idea and hadn't given it a moment's thought and now we're getting on them at the empire state building i thought it was great yeah nice touch so of course as as we alluded to we're introduced to or reintroduced to frank he's he's coming back he's been working in north texas for some outbreaks so we get the information that he's work he works for the cdc and there's a few little kind of bits here about the relationship. Um, when they get home, Frank says he notices that she seems a little distant. Um, there was, you know, she didn't talk to him on the way home um, and kind of, you know, she waves it off. But, you know, we, 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 we haven't returned to this character since she got back from the universe. And we know that she she developed feelings for Peter. So this, you know, this, this is uh, kind of affecting her relationship with Frank. Oh yeah, and it's it's a lot like her her mishaps in the other universe where she she doesn't know what to say. She she realizes that there's things she's going to say that are going to sound completely wrong, and I think it's just kind of a a carry on from that. The obviously she's is it is it cheating if it's in an alternate universe? Um, uh. Well, essentially, but but <laughs> yeah, but I mean, yeah. But I mean, also she was undercover, so yeah. she was in character, as it were. She it was it was something it was something that she had to do. She had to get close to Peter, but I think she developed feelings that she never thought she might. She thought it just might be an undercover mission. I need to sleep with Peter to get information, but it kind of just got a bit more than that. Yeah, uh, and she's just she's got to deal with that, and she's got to deal, you know, and she's clearly processing it because obviously it's the first time she's had to face that since she's come back. Uh, yeah, it, it's pretty standard. I think we'd all be in that same position. We'd all be a bit quiet. I think the the other, if you weren't that quiet, you would be overly talkative, trying to trying to compensate for the fact that you're being quiet. Yeah, and would possibly make it worse. Yeah, definitely. 
Yeah, so we kind of briefly mentioned at the outset that we that we think Frank is a, is a pointless character. I mean, you know, whether it's the actor who's a bit bland or the writing's just not there or it's just not, uh, you know, what's your kind of thoughts behind this and why why he's just a bit of a... It's, it's it's a bit of a dull story, really. Well, he's he's a narrative plot device, isn't he? He's yeah. he's there to to move story along. He's he's not there for us to care about, and we're not. He's not written in a way to make us care about him. And I think the the writers and the director know this when they're when they're putting him on screen. They know that we don't care. We're not going to care. You know, he as a character, he's got an uphill battle for several reasons. One. We're more or less back to the the status quo. Everybody that's supposed to be over on this side is over on this side. Everybody that's supposed to be on our side is over on our side. And now we kind of we care now about what's going on on the other side, mm. and to hell with the guys over here. So while we might be losing interest, seems like a harsh way to put it. But while we might be losing interest a little bit in the alternate fringe team, the 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 thing we're least likely to care about is the love interest of one of them, especially when he is a, has about as much personality as a <laughs> shop store mannequin. <laughs> oh, he is bland, bless him. He is very, very bland. Um, I, you know, he has what I call the uh, the John Scott curse because John Scott was a bland character, and yeah. and and like Frank. John Scott was a was a plot device. He was he was an important plot device because it, it had all to do with entering dreams and uh, you know and kind of honing in with 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 Olivia's abilities that, that she's learning and honing in. So his his plot device was was important. Whether but with Frank, you could take him out as a plot device and probably still get A to B without much change. I mean, the whole pregnancy storyline that we have through this episode. You could have it without him really being there, apart from the tension of sleeping with someone else while you're engaged to your boyfriend type thing. Yeah, so no one really... Okay, maybe I'm overgeneralising, but personally, I'm watching Fringe. What I don't really care about is the Emmerdale farmness of having... It's <laughs> <laughs> a good way of putting it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's, it's soap opera drama that I don't need and is not required you know what we need with this particular part of the story we need to know she's pregnant it's peter's and obviously walton has plans mm. frank doesn't need to be a part of any of that he doesn't we don't need him there to move the plot on you know the whole thing with him working for the cdc we, we could have anybody we could have any random agent turn up we, it doesn't need to be him uh and the whole pregnancy thing it can be oh am i aren't i oh shit and the, the only thing it actually serves to do is, is to bait and switch you at the end of the episode when, you know, they're checking her for parasites. Mm, yeah. I don't think, I, I genuinely, I don't think he needs to be in this episode at all. And like you say, he's a bland character. It's, it's just so vanilla. Yeah. I, <laughs> the, the poor guy, he's going to get ragged on a lot this episode, <laughs> I think. But he's just, he's not interesting to watch. And and I I do think he drags this episode down with him a little bit as well. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So the other thing that we that, that that is happening in the cold open whilst whilst we get this little soap opera between them is we get introduced to Doctor Armin Silver, who's uh, who sat down with this with this guy and and the guy asked him to pass some salt 
he, he we see him switch it to something that he's got on his own and then we get this reaction that starts happening he's in the toilet and he pukes up and then and then basically beetles start eating their way out of him so um and it ends with dr silver basically walking out the cubicle with with, with one of the beetles in his in his little container um for the for the first time in season three, I got reminded of X Files. I thought it was a very X Files esque cold open. That, it it this was very bit. Uh, War of the Coprophages. Co- yes, definitely. Wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I had the exact same feeling uh, when I saw this episode and when I saw this open. It was a, it was a very X Files open. It, it was it was wearing its uh, its inspiration on its sleeve. I think for this episode. Yeah, definitely. And probably for one of the only times in season three, I think it was, it was just this episode really stood out. You know, it's a very X-Files style story, as it were. Yes. Oh, absolutely. But I, and I think, again, this is another reason why, for, just for me personally, I think it hurt the episode a little bit because, mm. you know, when, we said this when we recorded episode one of the season. It's, it's its own thing now. It doesn't need to do that anymore. And now, and at this point, even to, to homage... X Files. It just it feels cheap and unnecessary. Yeah, and you know, whilst we we have had a, a case of the weak elements to previous episodes like Amber Three One Forty Two and the Abducted, but what yeah. what the writers managed managed to do with those is is actually thematically link the case to what's going on with the main characters, which is why yeah. it worked here. I, I was literally racking my brain to kind of, okay, is there, I mean, there is a slight connection between uh, Dr. Silver and Walter that I'll get to later, but it's, I'm reaching because I'm trying to find a connection. And I think it works much better when you have that thematic connection between what's going on with the characters and the case they're trying to solve that way. And here it doesn't quite work. No. So here what's happened, I think, is that they've gone right. At the end of this episode, we need to reveal she's pregnant. And we need to do it in such a way that adds a bit of tension and we can go, Oh, wow! That's that's not a bug. That's a baby. Uh, how do we do that? And someone's gone. You know what? Cockroach alien. <laughs> yeah. And everybody alien. in the room's gone. <laughs> Absolutely, that's yeah. what we're doing. Yeah. So, sadly, that's where the development of that episode stopped. <laughs> yeah, I get the feeling J. H. Wyman might have been off that day because I think if he'd been at the writers' room, he might have gone. Nah, hang on, guys. That's that's. Hang on. You know, we've had some good episodes. Let's let's not go a bit overboard with the silliness here. But, you know. But, yeah, you're right. I think basically the writers were basically told, OK, your aim of the episode is to basically announce that Olivia's pregnant and it's Peter's. You can go about that in pretty much any way you want. And, and you know, and here's the end product. Yeah. Uh, and like I said, for me, it, the episode falls flat on a number of levels because of that. If you wanted to show she was pregnant, I'd have much rather us stood in the queue in the pharmacy for 45 minutes. Yeah, pregnancy test. I, yeah, but but that's that's me. I I honestly I I I watched this episode and I went, this is not a good one. I I did struggle my way through this. I'll be honest. Yeah, um, but what I do think this episode does well, and it's something that me and you touched upon on on episode one, is it kind of it does give you a, a nice kind of day in the life of the alternate fringe division team. And again, we get more camaraderie and a bit of, a bit of work banter, which I do think is good fun in this episode. Yeah. So for you, would, it would be a monster of the week episode essentially, but with the alternate team. And I think that could work really well. And it, that, for the team, it's, it's good fun. Like you say, it's, you can watch the team do their thing and it, it's a laugh. 
and again you get the you get the banter and the you know just the shit kicking between the two of them or between the three of them sorry i think it's really fun uh and i think that's possibly more what they were going for you know mm. monster of the week but with the other team this could be fun they just needed a better idea behind it yeah yeah i agree so then we get a, a scene here with alternate Brandon, uh, who shows Walton a video of, of this young candidate that they've injected with a, a synthesized version of Cortex fan, which they've managed to create from the anomaly they found in, in Olivia's brain back in The Abducted, I think the episode was. So. I like this scene because it's a really inter- interesting thing here where we get to see Walton's moral code in that he refuses to experiment on children. Very interesting here because it's the complete opposite of what R. Walter did. Yeah, and I, th- I think a lot of that is because we, over the last couple of seasons, we've got to what we've got to see how our Walter's brain has worked, and obviously he he uh, believes very much that he got a free second chance with with Peter because you know he lost one and just got a new one. Mm. So I don't think the I think that watered down, watered down excuse my stupid accent <laughs> watered down the the uh the i forgot where i was going now shit <laughs> <laughs> uh well it, it made him less less likely to to worry about the a, a child's life or you know the the morality of it didn't really it doesn't hit our water because of it whereas mm. walternut has obviously he's lost a child and where he's at a point, or he's not at a point. He his where his line is is you're not working on kids. And I think that a lot of that was spawned from, well, hold on, you've been doing this to people and they've been dying. You're not doing that to children and taking them away from their parents. I'm not making more people that are like me. And I, I at least that's how I see it. But I, I, I liked that. For a dude that seems very cold and very calculating, every time you see him, it's nice to see there's a line that he doesn't want to cross. Yeah, definitely. And I think you're right about, about you know, he doesn't want another family to lose a child. And there's the episode, The Abducted, where we get a bit of backstory into, into alternate broils and his connection with this case with the Candyman. And there's yeah. a scene where Walton is very, it's, it's a very surprising scene because he's very compassionate with broils, but because they're sharing this, this experience of, of having their child abducted. So yeah. I like that Walton, because, because he reminds me, you know, I've seen enough kind of mobster and gangster films now where, you know, these people are willing to kill. They're willing to steal and break the law, but they have a very defined set of morals and codes, usually yeah. to do with like family and stuff like that. And, you know, you watch these films, they, you know, they, they, they can be despicable people, but they have these moral codes, which you then, you kind of start to like them for. And that's how yeah. I, I liken Walton it. You know, he is, he is this cold, calculating man. He's hell-bent on revenge to destroy the other universe, but he has these lines that he will not cross. Oh, absolutely. And, and this, is, this is where you see, I think, the biggest one for him. And it's a, it's a, good, a good moment for his character. And a, so... so it proves or it shows that he's not just a, a comical mustache twirling bad guy. He's, you know, he, he's not all evil, which is what he's he's played out to be a lot. Even in those moments where, like we said in the previous episode, oh, the previous episode we recorded, sorry, that you know, 
one side think the other side's bad, the other side think that side's bad, but actually everybody thinks they're the good guy. They do, but there's also, and when you're spending time with the alternate fringe team, they're, they're the good guys and they're trying to make things better, but there's always that that feeling that actually Walton is a bit of an evil bastard and and I, I still do think he's an evil bastard, but it's nice to see that he does have a code, that he does have a line. You know, his moral compass isn't completely screwed up. Uh, yeah, and it's it's not quite a throwaway moment in the episode, but it's very it's, it's a big deal wasn't made of it. It's just like no, no kids. Yeah, and then moves on. I think it's, it's perfectly placed in that moment. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Um, and there's a scene later as well that, that that we'll talk about when he's talking to his um, uh, his lover, I think uh, Rico. And there's an interesting conversation there, which which we'll get to as well. Um, there's a really, I do like this next scene where they go in. Uh, Charlie and Olivia go and see Mona Foster, the Beatle expert, who has a who has an infatuation with Charlie. And I like the ribbing that Olivia kind yeah. of gives him in this scene. <laughs> it's great. And again, it's like it's like I want to see these guys work together all the time. I just I love I love watching these two kind of have fun together. Yeah, you like watching them play off of each other, don't you? I think yeah. they do it very well. And I think the I think the actors are really good in these roles as well because they look like they're having an absolute blast when they're mm. doing it. And I think that helps in what we in what we get to watch. It just it feels all the more convincing. But yeah. I, I really like that moment. Actually, it's a really good little, uh, really good scene. It's, you know, big bless him, Charlie getting all embarrassed. Yeah, bless him. Bless him. But uh, yeah, but I do like the fact that we get you know Kirk Acevedo gets to gets to kind of inject some character and, and some personality into Charlie, whereas he probably didn't get as much chance to do that in season one because it was, it was very much a procedural show then and he was there to kind of bark the orders. But, he, yeah, he, he can give him a bit more flavour this time round. And I think yeah. that's why I like alternate Charlie, cause, because of that. Oh, no, I, I agree completely. And, again, something we spoke about previously, it's because they, they've had the chance to to spend time with these characters and, and re, you know, reset their characters and... And have time. They get to know the characters. We get to know them a bit more. They, they, they get to have a bit of fun with them. And because they have to be a little bit different from their our world characters, yeah, him him being a bit of a, a much more fun character, I think works very well. I said character a lot in that couple of sentences. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of characters, in in the next scene, uh, we haven't really talked about her, m- me and you, but alternate Astrid. I haven't had your thoughts on on alternate Astrid and. And how Jessica Nicole uh, plays her, and kind of what are your thoughts about about the character? I, of I love alternate Astrid, and I think I love her more because isn't she didn't uh, didn't she choose to play it like that because her sister's autistic? Yeah, her sister's I on think. the spectrum, and it was a it was a choice she made to kind of play her like that. Yeah, just to kind of to you know, to show that to show her sister that you know you can be part of this too. You, you're not. Just because you're different doesn't mean you, you can't be a part of it. And I think that's great. And it's an amazing thing to do for anybody, uh, but especially for, for somebody who, you know, may not see themselves represented in TV or films very often. Uh, but and but as a whole, I think the character herself, she's actually really cool. I really like her. And I, I really like, you know, she can 
rattled these like numbers and percentages off and and yeah she <laughs> she's basically like one of the women from minority report i think she's brilliant yes. yeah she's absolutely brilliant yeah and, and it's a really kind of like tasteful and subtle performance you know you, you, you could take you could take you know it's, it's a hard thing to talk about but you could take acting a character who is on the spectrum to to a degree where it gets distasteful but she's very subtle in the way she she plays out alternate astrid and the way she yeah. can't make eye contact and things like that is very affecting but it's the, the, I think the thing that always uh, keeps it tasteful with stuff like this, and I don't think Fringe is, is, uh, was the first, and it certainly isn't the last, but it's, it's just there. Mm-hmm. And I think this is a big part of it. It's just there. It's not sung about. It's not screamed about. There's no big deal made in every episode about how she can't make eye contact and how she's autistic and, and all these things, how she's on the spectrum. It's, it's just there. And everybody's just deals with it yeah yeah you know? and i think that's the that's the most respectful thing you can do for something like that you know and everybody i think should should find themselves represented in, in the stuff they watch and if they don't i think that's very sad but the complete opposite of that i think is the probably and i can't speak to this with any authority i am a middle class white man i am all good in whatever i watch but I, I think the complete opposite to, to seeing yourself represented would be to see yourself overrepresented, and just have it lashed into your face that there's a disabled person on the screen. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, it's you know, oh look, this person's gay. We're going to tell you that he's gay every time he's on the screen. You know, that's not okay. Just let them be there, man. That's how it is in real life. They're just there. Yeah. You know, and I, I think she. she she plays it very well. I think the writers and the directors have let her play it very well and let her be just that character and just let it be there. And I think it's perfect. Yeah, definitely. I would agree. And there's a line actually that, that Frank says later on, which which I don't know about you, but I, it didn't sit well with me when he, when she... With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Kind of spouts out all, all, all these numbers and statistics. He turns to her and goes, oh, where do I get me one of those? I just found yeah. it really dehumanising. And it, it was a really... It, I, I'd never kind of thought about it before, but I, f- I found it a really off-putting line. <laughs> it is a bit shitty. Yeah. And I, and I think... You kind of look at it and I, I hope that actually it's been done just to make you not like him more, because I don't like him at all. And no. I, like him, I like him even less now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, was just a, it, it just jumped out. I mean, I thought, hmm, 
you know whether because we've whether... had quite a few episodes with her in where this hasn't you know yes. it's not been brought because obviously she was in the second season the first time when they went over to the other side yeah you know we she's not a new character and 13 episodes into the third season we don't need jokes being made i don't think no and i i just think he's a dick yeah I think we're in uh, agreement with that one. He's a dick, and I'm glad he. And, uh, and I'm glad this is the last episode he's in. Yeah. So yeah, Astrid basically suggests putting a fringe out, uh, fringe alert out for anyone who might recognise these Skelter uh, Beetles. Uh, and Doctor Silver sees the alert on the news as, as he sits in the cafe and is chatting to this guy who gets a bit nosy about what he's doing. And we kind of start to understand that Doctor Silver is a, a bit embittered. He's a bit bitter about something, and and you know we find out later that that he was working on a cure for avian flu and working with these beetles that only lived in sheep. And because of fringe events and the deterioration of the universe, sheep are now wiped out. So it kind of, it stopped his work. So you get yeah. the sense that, that he is, he, he is wanting to be, he wants to be renowned and remembered for, for his work. And he feels a bit pissed off about it, basically. Yeah. It, uh, when you say that, cause it sounds like it's, it's another one of those moments where it should be, it should mean more. Yeah. You know? We we live in a world with no lamb, you know. Suddenly, there's wait, no sheep, really? How is this not a bigger deal, you know? But I I think, and again, in a better episode, I think it lands better, and I think it tell, I think it builds the world a bit more. But yeah, the 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 bitter old scientist, I, I think actually I think he plays it quite well. Tropey as it is, I think he plays it quite well. Yeah, it is tropey, and as you said, I think it, if it wasn't marred in a bit of cliche and, and tropishness the 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 point of this story would have hit a bit harder as you know as you said and 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 i think the the kind of connection between walternet's not crossing the line and having these moral codes and this other scientist dr silver willing to sacrifice people to be renowned for his work is where i make the thematic connection but because it's <laughs> so hard to make i had to struggle hard to think about that connection and i think as you said in another episode this would have worked and hit a lot harder yeah but yeah we're just marred by some i mean some lazy writing i think in in certain well certainly in the previous scene with with alternate astrid and, and frank definitely lazy writing oh yeah absolutely we we also get a little insight into lincoln lee's character actually which is some little bits that i quite like and you know his his confidence in his new leadership because he's had to take over Broyles's position because Broyles was sliced in half by the uh, the body transfer in Intrada. Yeah. So we get a kind of it's kind of underconfidence leadership. He you know he calls it Broyles's office, but then corrects himself and says my office. And and there's that kind of you also get a sense as well, which I think is important later on, is that he has very strong feelings about Olivia as well. Yeah. So there's the. His his feelings for for Olivia, like I say, do come out. I like the thing with Broyles' office because mm. again, this goes into the, the the camaraderie and the you know the, the friendship that all these people have, you know. And it was it it stretched to Broyles as well. You know, he was the their boss, but he was part of the team. And it's one of those moments you go, oh, it's always going to be his office. I think we'd all have that if something like that happened. Yeah, it's imposter syndrome, isn't it? Yeah. No, I don't want to sit in that chair. That's 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 Steve's chair. I don't want to sit there. You know, it it's, it's it is one of those things. I, I I like that little moment actually. But I I like uh, getting a, a bit of a better look at Lincoln Lee. I think he's a he's, he's such a cool character. Yeah. 
because he's 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 new, isn't he? Because he's not in our universe. He's he's not yet. He's not yet. We do no. meet his counterpart later on, but not yet. We do, yeah. But but at this point, he's he's the new addition to the cast, or yeah, obviously from season two, he's the new addition to the team that that we haven't we at that point hadn't met. So they get to do with him what they like, uh, because he's just Lincoln Lee. You know, he's only in the other universe at this point, so it's you know blank slate if you like mm. so yeah it's good to get a little bit little bit more insight on him yeah what did you make to him basically saying to Frank you can tell me I can keep a secret and then him going directly to Olivia yeah he's going to ask you to marry him yeah. what, what was your kind of reaction to that because like <laughs> it's, a, it's quite funny but it's also a dickish thing to do but I quite oh, it's like a, it's 100% <laughs> bellend I thought yeah absolutely hilarious because this is that what he, he says the thing about having his own cone of silence isn't yes he? yes which is uh get smart it is which yeah made which made me chuckle uh but yeah I, I thought it was hilarious and I you know anybody that was watching knew he was going to do it straight away <laughs> yeah and I think I think if you think about it his feelings for a for Olivia probably probably was was behind the motivation to go straight to her to see that because oh, he absolutely. wants to see her reaction didn't he yeah uh but that, yeah but that was quite funny so yeah i was going to basically pose a question but i think we've kind of answered it over this okay. episode but if we've been watching fringe but had only been following these guys then we would perceive them as the good guys wouldn't we basically a hundred percent and I think a case in point here is th- is this scene that I mentioned earlier with Walternut and Rico, who who we think is is his lover, and he talks about the sacrifices he's made to save this world, which from a hero's point of view is a noble trait. Uh, but yeah. we'd never call Walternut noble because of because of the perspective we've got of him. But if yeah. if we'd never met our side before, then we might think Walternut is the hero of the story because he is trying to save his world. Yeah, I think we would probably see him because he does do some some outlandish shit and he does do some stuff that probably wouldn't 100% be okay. I I think you would call him a good guy, uh, but with a bit of a skewed moral compass. Yeah, an anti-hero. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's an interesting kind of thought that came into my head in, in this scene because... You know, he's he's talking as though he is he is very noble and his cause is the right cause and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah it was an interesting scene and it, uh, uh, quite a funny scene because I think I can't remember which episode it was. It was the episode where Walter gets lost in Chinatown in, in the second season and he mentions that he once slept with a Japanese woman. So I, I like the fact that here we get a scene and Walter's lover is 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 of Asian descent. So I, yeah. I quite like that little that little uh, callback there. <laughs> That was very cool. So after the surprise proposal by Frank, uh, Lincoln and Folivia follow a lead to the warehouse where 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 they think Dr. Silver is. Uh, and this is where Lincoln gets trapped in the walk-in freezer and Olivia falls through the floor into, in, into Dr. Silver's makeshift lab. Um, I like the way Lincoln acts here to get himself out of the freezer because we know that he's got a scientific background he's the science guy of the of the fringe team so yeah. the fact that he kind of methodically looks around sees the pressurized nitrogen gas and uses that to basically uber freeze the handle so we can knock it off so i like yeah. that kind of callback to his character yeah it's it's good to have it's good to realize that these characters do have you know backgrounds and they yeah they have specialities 
uh, and usually you would have, you know, in, in any procedural show, all of your characters would have something that everyone falls back on. You know, doesn't matter if it's you know uh, a specialism in guns or you know science or whatever. But it's nice to know that these characters, you still have those tropes in a in a show like this. And yeah, it's very cool to watch him freeze his way out of the room. Mm, definitely. Um, and whilst that's happening, of course, we we get. Uh... The scene with Dr. Silver, who kind of um, pours some water down Olivia's throat to kind of wake her up. Quite a quite a clever bit of kind of directing because, you know, the camera's following the water. So we instantly think that, you know, oh dear, the, you know, the dosage of, of the bug thing is in the water that he's giving, he's giving Olivia. What, what, did, what did you think to the way this scene develops and what actually unfolds and the rug that's pulled out from under us at the end? <laughs> I, I think it is a is a cool little bait and switch, and I like that we've spent the last at this point what half an hour uh, being told that this guy's poisoning people with water uh, or with tainted water, and then then these uh, these bugs are growing in them from whatever's in the water. So it looks like you know you you would I suppose suspect that it's not the case because every, it's very blatantly looking at uh, at the water when he feeds we, we pours it down her throat but i still think they're, they're very much is that oh no what they, what they done what they're going to do how they're going to get out of this uh and i think it plays it they play it out very well yeah they, they direct it very well and i didn't notice the first time round, but i noticed this afternoon again on, on my rewatch that when olivia is is sick there's a look by dr silver he looks confused about why she's about why she's throwing up. So there is a clue there that he hasn't dosed her, but it's a very subtle one, and I, I kind of missed that the first time around. So for all intents and per- you know, for all that this episode does about kind of banging you over the head with stuff, there's quite a subtle moment where, where that I missed the first time around. Yeah, I, I missed it as well. Uh, and, it's, and again, it's one of those things that you wouldn't spot it the first time you watched it because you, you, you wouldn't know. You would just assume. You know, everybody else has been sick when they've drunk this thing. You you just assume it's coming, and the glance is so quick from him that it, it probably wouldn't measure on anyone's radar ever. Yeah, first yeah. time around, it's a very nice, quick little look that he, that he gives her. He's like, "Well, why are you puking up? I'm not giving you anything." <laughs> kind of, kind of, kind of look, but yeah, nice and deceiving kind of scene there, and of course. That's when the team bursts on the scene and, and Frank, the worried boyfriend, kind of whisks her off to the ambulance to, you know, ready to give her this anti-infectious... This anti-parasitic thing that he has in his kit bag. Yeah, conveniently. And... Uh... <laughs> what, you mean you, mean you don't? Because I've got three in mind. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. CDC is prepared for any, any eventuality. Yeah, and that's when Doctor Silver basically admits to admits to Charlie and and Lincoln Lee that he dosed himself. He is the final host. He is willing to sacrifice himself uh, to get his name up in lights. About hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Saving the avian flu. Again, yeah. this is a, a point that is, it, it's mentioned in quite a few alternate universe episodes about the avian flu and how many people it wiped out and how many people it killed. This episode could have been more momentous if we'd if we'd kind of got to know Dr. Silver and his motives and and him trying to revive this beetle that whose enzyme can save people from the avian flu. But it's it's such a throwaway, very quick moment. I think it's some doctor at the hospital that talks about him yeah. doing that. It's just I I think the writing here is a little bit lazy and it's not active enough to kind of let let us the viewers care about dr silver's motives so his sacrifice at the end is just a little bit of a okay he's dead make sure you spell his name right it's almost comedic when he does the make sure they spell my name i know it is isn't it it is and and i I think and again this is one of this the thing that really bugs me about this episode is it's like his arc is really cool and it could have been a really good story but it was it was wasted in an effort just to get a just to get a, a, a fancy pregnancy test out man yeah it's a very long-winded very bug themed yeah pregnancy it's just, test it's such a it's such a wasted opportunity uh for a cool monster episode it's a wasted opportunity for some exposition for the world you know for this doctor i think it could have been really good but i, I really feel for the character i i, I want i want him to have a better episode because he's 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 really interesting. Yeah, I mean, maybe it, you know, it probably would have worked better and had more of an impact if A, it wasn't in the pregnancy plot episode and B, if it had maybe an interaction with Walton. You know, these two scientists sharing uh, ambition, but they've both got different lines that they won't cross. And it would have been a really interesting conversation that these two could have had together. Um, but, But they missed, yeah, they missed the chance there. They really did. So the last two scenes really here are are to propel the story forward. So the first one we get is Frank realising that the baby can't be his because uh, she's six weeks gone and he's been in North Texas saving people from a, from an outbreak. And Olivia is unable to answer his question about whether she loves Peter or not. So And, and that kind of marks Frank's exit from the show. Thank yeah. God. <laughs> yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah, he was tedious and, and boring. And the audience... The audience breathed a sigh of relief. Yes, they did. Exactly. And then we get the last scene whose subtext is really basically that Walternut can use faux Olivia's baby to coax Peter back to their universe uh, to yep. power the machine. It's a, it's, it's, it, it's a scene with some real underlying creepiness because of all Walternut's proclamations of him being a noble person to sacrifice, he's willing to use an unborn child to kind of get his way and that creepiness is there what do you think to this last scene with these i think it's interesting as well because right up until that point he's no kids Mm. and now he's like hmm kids yeah (laughs) (laughs) in a very rolf harris kind of way yeah (laughs) Mm. you know it's it it's i think it's from a writing and a character perspective i think it's actually done really really well because 
you've you've spent the last twenty minutes going, oh, he he's got a line. He he won't cross that line. And then the second he realizes it's it's absolutely one hundred percent to his benefit, he will gladly cross that line. And he he hasn't even given it a second thought. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. He's he's uh, he. Maybe he really is the evil bastard we all thought he was. Maybe he is. Even even though the writers have tried to convince us otherwise. But yeah, <laughs> this last scene is definitely like, oh, you're an evil bastard. You're willing to basically manipulate. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I mean, you know, in, in in the next alternate universe episode, Bloodline, he really does manipulate the baby by uh, increasing its increasing its age. So yeah. you know, she has the baby in 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 a matter of days so it's it's some pretty frankenstein type science that he's willing to kind of employ on this unborn child it's pretty horrific oh yeah absolutely he he the his no kids line is dropped very quickly and i i think uh they take it (laughs) he takes it to an an extreme opposite of that spectrum quite quickly as well yeah so kind of your final thoughts then on this episode i know you i know you're not a massive fan we've kind of pulled up some bits that we did enjoy but your overall thoughts on the, on this one it could have been better yeah it could have been better i, I still there, there are bits of it that i really like that some of the writing's great and i i really enjoy it any of the time we get to spend with the alternate fringe team uh i just i think everybody in this episode deserved a better 40 minutes than what they got yeah, I think I would agree with you definitely. Um I think I think that the Dr. Silver storyline was probably wasted in, in this and I think putting him in in an episode where he could interact with Walternut I think would have been great because you'd have these two scientists kind of sparring with each other about about ambition and, and, and morals of science. I think that would have been really interesting. I'm I'm glad we've we've kind of done away with Frank. I think he's a is a reductive, boring character that never needed to be in fringe in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. Like you, I think I think it's a missed opportunity. The writing is good in some parts. I think the team squad writing is great. I think other parts are very lazy and 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 uh, just rather kind of dull. So, did you did you see the Observer today? I did not. No, I didn't either. He apparently is partially obscured by a pillar at the Empire Airport docking place where Olivia and Frank meet. So this this sounds like it sounds an awful lot like the the season opener we recorded we're like half of the observer in a really crowded room yeah no one's seeing that i mean poor poor what was his name is it mark severis or no one asked wrong what was his what's his first name i can't remember but the actor who plays who plays september yeah i mean the, the director's going no no more behind the pillar mate we can still see your face now more more he's like <laughs> poor guy's just like oh Luckily, he gets lots to do later on, but <laughs> yeah, poor chap. Uh, the cipher, the cipher this week is confusing as fuck. It's Romad, R O M A D. I even looked this word up. It's not even in the dictionary. It's an acronym for some things, but these things that it's an acronym for, I couldn't see any connection at all. So I am confounded by this one. Fair enough. I don't know what Romad is. No. Neither do I, and not, not a flipping clue. Um, it's a acronym for something called Return Over Maximum Dropdown, which is some, some, I don't know, some investment acronym. And then there's a couple of military sty- type uh, acronyms. 
but yeah, I, I can't find any connection to the episode or to Fringe at all, so I don't know what they were doing no. here. Well, I, I've just done a quick Google, and the first entry is just some random US Air Force thing, and there's so many other acronyms as it's trying to explain this acronym, I'm never going to understand it. No, no, I, I did the same thing, and I thought I am not going down a rabbit hole, because it will no. just lead to nothing. I'm, I'm not a code breaker, man, I'm not doing that. No. Uh, dear listeners, if you have any inclination about what Romad is and if it has anything to do with Fringe whatsoever, please let me know because I have no idea. Um, so that is it for today. Brooker, would you like to tell these lovely people where they can find you on that there internet? So you can find me mainly on Twitter where I just kind of rant and rave and all, all of the things that I feel I should verbalise kind of end up on Twitter uh, because of... If, if I just actually say them out loud, my poor wife will divorce me. <laughs> uh, so you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Brooker411. And I run a couple of podcasts. I do a video game podcast called Character Unlock every couple of weeks. And every month-ish, I do a, a horror podcast with a, a friend of mine, Emma, uh, called Mild Threat and Peril. Excellent. Brilliant stuff. Uh, you can find me personally on twitter at luke underscore winch uh I'll, i'm i'm there just putting a few tweets out every now and then um podcast wise i co-host a star trek picard podcast called make it so with kurt north we're currently doing some supplementary episodes there i co-host another star trek podcast called rarely going which covers lower decks of star trek animation that is on hiatus at the minute but we'll be back for season two soon uh and then i'm also gonna i'm also co-hosting or co-hosted depending on when this airs the uh, falcon and winter soldier series on our marvel podcast called podcast 616 so you can find me there uh, the twitter handle for podcast 616 is at podcast 616 and the podcast handle for the starship uh, podcast is jean luc poddard and that's on twitter but that's it. And, and also, listeners, if you would like to tell us what you thought of Immortality, do you agree with us? Do you think it's a bit of a, a downer episode compared to the rest? Do you like it more than we did? What did you think to Frank? Did you like Frank? If you do, don't know why, but if you do, just let us know. Um, <laughs> so let us know on our, on, our, on our Twitter handle. We've also got a Facebook group. If you type in Observing the Pattern, you can find us there. Please let us know your thoughts. Until then, guys, take care, and we shall see you next time over here observing the pattern was created by andrew brooker and tony black and is produced by tony black and luke winch for the we made this podcast network please subscribe on apple podcasts and leave us a five-star rating and review to help more people find the show you can find the podcast on twitter at the otp podcast and on facebook by typing in observing the pattern you can also find we made this on facebook and on twitter at We Made This Pod, where you can find shows on film, TV, music, and broader popular culture. Also check out our website, wemadethispod.com. Thanks again for listening. Elsewhere on We Made This. Pick a disc. The, cor- the chorus feels like it's um, improvised as well. It's Where's improvised, life? but I also think it's it's like respect because everybody gets a shout out. Buster Rhymes in effect, Shahid is in effect, Five Dog is in effect, and it ends. I think towards the end, I, actually I know towards the end, who's in the house? Ron Carter is in the house. So uh, 
I kind of think of it, uh, oh, this is going to be very professorial sounding, but if you write a research paper and, you know, you put all your citations of your sources. Yeah. The, it's all the citations. These are all the, these are all the folks that made this come together. He's, he's reading, he's reading the Wikipedia footnotes for this song, isn't he? So, like 30, exactly. 20 years before it came in effect and stuff. Make it so, a Star Trek Picard podcast. To your theory, Gene Roddenberry, one of his golden rules was that conflict always had to be external, right? Like it couldn't be internal. You couldn't have, uh, you know, the main drama being between the two people on the show. It always had to be humanity fighting outward because we were already connected and, and we had already mm, resolved most of those issues, right? And as Trek has evolved and we've started to incorporate many of the real life drama that can occur between actual people, uh, which I think it's, it's made the show all the better for it. Yeah. But I think you're on to something. Right in the childhood. The big thing is Raven has a vision that the job she was going for, she didn't get because the woman says to Raven's vision, I don't hire black people. Ter- like that, we cringe. That's just the fact that it was done with the actor playing the racist yeah, job Chloe did it with real venom and the kind of she did it throughout everything though. Like it she was, was horrible. She was she was not so subtle with how she felt about black people. Chelsea couldn't pick up on it. Check out all of these shows and more on the We Made This podcast network. Mm.